Victory. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you guys are visiting with us today, we want to say welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We're already starting to talk about Easter. We're, we're just a few weeks away. Uh, we'll be going to two services on Easter and getting ready for that. And so, listen, I, I know we're kind of pushing you forward on this, but if you're not serving in a dream team, we really want to encourage you to do that. Once we start two services, it, it allows kind of a set one, serve one kind of deal where you can serve in one service and attend the other. And the past, I don't know, really since January, but definitely the past five or six weeks, we've been having to move people to the dream team or to the Dream Team Care Room, Overflow Room, to just be able to make some chairs available as people are coming in. And it's an exciting season. People are returning to church, they're coming back to church. And then Easter is just the time that people say, hey, you know, it's what you do. You go to church. So we always try to provide an amazing service and an opportunity for people to go, wow, I didn't, I didn't know this church was right in my backyard. And then they can start coming and, and the Lord can change their life. And so two things we want to encourage you to do. One is to start serving and to jump on a dream team. Do that by going to Grow Track, as Brian said. But also, as you go out, we've got these cards. I got one in my pocket. We have some that are business card size, and then we have some that are bigger. We want to encourage you to take some of these and already start inviting people. I want, I want to give you a real challenge. You ready? Uh, I think it's five weeks left until Easter. Every week, pick somebody new. Every week, pick one person that you're going to invite. It might be a coworker, might be a neighbor, and go up to them and say, hey, are you going to church somewhere on Easter? And if they say no, say, well, we already know where you want to go. We want you to come to Victory. And then on the card as well as the egg hunt, completely free for everybody who comes, eggs, food, all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a great time. Amen? Amen. How many of you are already thinking about who you're going to invite? You're already thinking about them, got them on your mind? All right, be ready. Make sure you get those cards. We got plenty of them for you to be able to do that. Uh, we always like to take a second and say thank you to every person that is giving faithfully to our church, what we're able to do through tithes and offerings not only in the walls, but outside. And I want to share, obviously, Brian mentioned the, the book fair that we're already doing. We're already gathering books. I had one friend tell me, he said, I'm going to bring so many books, you're going to tell me to quit bringing books. And I'm like, all right, I'll take that, you know. Uh, but something we were able to do this past week that you may have seen on social media, I want to share with you. A handful of us were able to go to the Domestic Abuse Center in Murfreesboro that services our entire county, or, or all counties, actually have people coming from Atlanta and different places. Um, we were able to go and, and provide food, so we served a meal. They're not able to have hot meals uh, for different liability reasons provided from the shelter. So as long as somebody shows up and serves the food, you can do that. So we showed up with the YMCA, partnered with the YMCA, and there was spaghetti and bread and dessert and all kinds of stuff. And then here was the cool part. After that, as we left the food for people to eat, we went and took a tour of the shelter because in the month of May, we're planning on showing up and doing some renovations to the shelter to kind of bring it up to a nicer aspect. As families are being brought in, we want them to be able to come in and feel comfortable. And so there's a couple of things that I really want to do, and I'm just going to share them with you right now. There's a few rooms that I'd like to go in and rip the carpet up and lay new floor. Uh, that's, that's one of the missions that we're going to have as a church. And so we'll talk more about that leading up, what that's going to look like, both labor and finances. And we're going to go in in the month of May, and we're going to do that. Amen, church? Let's be a part of that. And so if you're giving faithfully to victory, I just want you to know there's so much happening, not only in the walls, but outside of the walls, uh, to be able to be a light. And I just always wanted to be a part of a church where the community says, if that church leaves, we're, that's going to be bad for us. So let's do all we can do to keep that church. And I think from day one, that's what we've done as a church is try to be present in the community. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. 
It's in your New Testament. So you got the Old Testament. We came out of the Old Testament. We were in Nehemiah. Now we're going into the New Testament. Uh, we're going to kind of hop around to different stories in this series. So the book of Matthew. So you'll have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John as you go to your New Testament. Uh, turn to chapter 14, whether you're, it's the paper Bible, whether you're on your phone or whether you're just uh, tuning in to the slides behind me. We do have an app that has all of the sermon slides and sermon notes on it as well. As you're turning, Brian mentioned this brand new series. This is also true. I want to give you a little bit of foundation of where this came from because I'm not going to reference this scripture today. But I preached kind of a one-side, one not one-side, but one-time message years ago with this concept of this is also true. And it was founded on the moment in Scripture where Jesus is sent to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. And the idea is that he was going to be tempted like we're tempted so he could say to us, I've been through what you've been through and those kinds of things. And all these temptations start to come from, from the enemy. And, he, and the enemy actually starts to quote Scripture to use against Jesus. And there's a moment where Jesus says this. He says, it is also written. And so the way I heard that is I heard the enemy saying, it's true that da-da-da-da. And I heard Jesus say, okay, but it's also true. I heard him saying this. What you say is true, but what I'm saying is truer. Yeah. Right? Thank you. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to go with it. Truer. And so the whole concept for this was I think sometimes if we're not careful in the church world, we will try to pretend like things aren't there. We would kind of try to look the other way, and let's not talk about that. Let's just move on and talk about this. Meanwhile, we as believers are going, wait a minute. I'd like to talk about the fact that I do have anxiety, or I do feel depression, or I do have those feelings, and I want to address those. I don't want to just pretend like they're not there, and I think Scripture is very clear and God's very clear that we don't need to ignore those things nor pretend like they're not there. We can say, yes, that's true, but this is also true. And so all throughout this series, we're going to hit different things that I think we're dealing with. I think next week I'm going to hit that I do have a past, but I also have a future. You know what I mean? I think we're going to talk about that next week, give you a little, little trailer so that you might show up next Sunday. But uh, uh, here we go. I'm excited about the word today. Matthew chapter 14, I'll start reading at verse 22, and then we'll get into it. It says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he, Jesus, dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. So the disciples are in the boat, buffeted by the waves. So moved, this is how the storm was, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Everybody say, walking, walking. on water. water. Y'all might have heard this story before. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. That's going to be important a little bit later. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, for it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. <laughs> Jesus, if it's you, tell me to walk on water with you. Jesus didn't say, no, son, you're not ready for this. Jesus didn't say, I'm Jesus, and you're not. Stay in the boat. Jesus said, come. So then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. This is it's a phenomenal scripture. And in our day and age, it's very easy to just read it and kind of move on. But this man walked on water. I don't know if y'all have ever tried it before. It's, it's a little difficult. It says, but when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. 
And immediately, immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. Yeah. I want to talk to you this morning from the idea, I'm sure, but I'm unsure. Darla said, you sure you don't want to call it, I'm sure, but I'm not sure? And I said, that's probably better English, but I don't know about you. When I'm in a moment where I'm in fear, I don't have time to be proper. Right. You know what I mean? I'm sure, God, but I'm, but I'm unsure. The older I get, the more I'm learning that two things can be true. That you can actually be in a situation, and this part can be true. And let me give you some examples. If you have a brand new baby... It is true that that baby is precious, but can also be a terror, right? This is the most precious thing we've ever experienced. And in the same day, be wondering how, is it illegal to throw a baby out a window? I'm not really sure. Let's test it and see. Uh, here was an experience for me. Uh, Darla and I were in the bed getting ready to go to sleep for the night, and I, I was under half of a sheet. That's how hot I was, all right? Under half of a sheet. And I looked over at her, and she was under our blanket, a sheet, an extra blanket, and had long-sleeved pajamas on. So I'm burning up, and she's cold in the same room. You know what I mean? It, it, it's also true. Like, two things can be true. I was asking her about it. I said, what are some other things where, where two situations can be true? She said, well, if you're pregnant, she said, you can both laugh and cry at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> And then we were like, you know what? It doesn't even matter if you're pregnant. If you're just living life, you can just, am I laughing or am I crying? I'm not sure. Like it can just, two things can be true. And I think when it comes to the question of whether or not you and I have faith or whether we have doubt, sometimes the answer is both, right? Like if there's a situation in your life, whether it's following God, whether it's pursuing a dream, whether it's having children or getting married or you know, trying to read your Bible, trying to step out in faith and tithing. Someone could come up to you and say, you know, do you have faith or do you have doubt? And, and I remember when I was first saved and kind of growing up in the church and a very legalistic kind of mindset, I would often hear it said ways like this, like, do you have faith or do you have doubt? Like I had to pick one. You know what I mean? Like it was either this, meaning it wasn't this, or it was this, meaning it wasn't this. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times in my life, I told him it was one thing when it was the other. I've got faith. <laughs> like, you know, but sometimes, sometimes I think it can be both. Sometimes I think we can have faith and I think we can have doubt. Put it like this. Sometimes I think we can be trusting and still be troubled. You know what I mean? I, I can be confident and still concerned. I can be ready, let's go God, and worried. <laughs> I can be sure, and I can be unsure. Every one of us who believe in Jesus, every one of us who believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life and died for our sins and is our Savior, every one of us can find ourselves experiencing some kind of doubt in certain situations. Every one of us who consider ourselves believers of Jesus Christ, there can be moments in our life where because of a certain experience, we start to experience doubt. I'll give you some examples of what we would consider classic believers. Let's talk about Peter for a second. Peter was the person that if you read scripture, he was like the man who was always confident about being a believer in Jesus, right? Remember one time Jesus let him know 
that he was going to die. And he was like, no, you're not. Not in my presence you are. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. There were so many times where Peter was so confident in his faith, but yet we all know that there was a moment where Jesus denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times, meaning that the one who was so confident had moments where he was uncertain, right? Uh, Thomas, one of the believers who would give his life for the movement of God, give his life for Jesus Christ. Thomas, one point, literally said, I will not believe Jesus is resurrected until I can put my finger in the holes in his hands. That sounds like certainty and uncertainty. Months ago, I preached a sermon about John the Baptist, and I talked about how John the Baptist was the one coming, proclaiming that Jesus was the one, that he was coming after him. And he had all of this confidence, and then he's in prison, and Jesus doesn't rescue him from prison, and he sends some people to go tell John what's happening, and John says, ask him if you are the one. So one moment it's he is the one and the next moment it's if you are the one. Here's what I'm telling you, that if John the Baptist and Peter and Thomas, disciples who followed Jesus in person, who had Jesus sitting beside him, who watched him die and then saw him resurrect, if they can have moments of doubt, then so can we. But yet, for some reason, we're taught in culture today that people shouldn't want to follow Jesus unless we can have 100% certainty. Isn't that how it's taught to us? That like, unless you can answer every question, unless you feel 100% confident about every aspect of faith and Christ, then you shouldn't follow Jesus. Well, what about this? Well, I don't know. Then you shouldn't want to follow Jesus because I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. But I don't stop doing them. I don't know how to be a good husband, but I'm still trying. You know what I mean? I don't know how to be a good parent, but I'm still trying. I just, I just don't know. And we need to be able to be uh, confident and encouraged by the idea that nobody who ever did something great for God did it with complete certainty the 100% of the time that they were doing it. Let me say it again. No one who ever did anything great for God did it while having 100% certainty the entire time they did it. I think one of the things that blows my mind is even when they, before uh, Billy Graham died, they would talk to him about his faith. And there were even moments where he would go back and forth. Because I don't think there's ever a moment where we're 100% certain. And here's the real question. You ready? If God is going to ask you to do things that are beyond your ability if God has promised to do things that are beyond your understanding, then how is it possible that at some point you won't experience doubt? If what God's doing is outside of your mind, if it's beyond what you can do on your own ability, then how is it possible for you to ever be at a place where you have 100% certainty? Because watch this, if God was doing what you could do without him, then you could have certainty. You know what I mean? Like if all, God, if all God was trying to achieve is something that you're completely aware that you can achieve, then you can have certainty. But if God is doing something outside of your ability, outside of your thinking patterns, there has to be a place where you go, I'm not sure. Like I hope for it, but, but I'm not sure. I don't think that there's anything wrong with doubt as long as we are continuing asking God to help us overcome it. I think it's okay to have moments where we're doubting as long as we don't allow that doubt 
to end up freezing us and causing us to quit pursuing God. As long as we're saying, God, help me, help me, I think it's okay. And so I want to give you a statement today that we're going to break down as we go through this message. And I want you to be able to like kind of carve it on your heart. I want you to be something that you build on in your life. And I'm going to give it to you. And then through the rest of the message, I'm going to explain a little bit. And here's the phrase. You ready? I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Say it. Say, I believe. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I think that's important for us to understand. You notice that there's a little bit of both in there, right? There's certainty, and then there's the evidence of uncertainty. There's the fact that we're sure and the fact that we're unsure. When I was reading Matthew chapter 14 and reading that, you know, Jesus and the, the wind's coming and the boat's shaking and Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out in the water. Here was the question I arrived at. I don't know if y'all have arrived at this question before, but here's the question I arrived at. Did Peter ask Jesus to call him out of the boat because of faith or because of doubt? Let me explain. It could have been faith. Here's what faith would have looked like. I know you're Jesus, and I know how crunk you are. Y'all remember that word, crunk? I know how crunk you are, and you're crazy, and you do crazy stuff. So because you're Jesus, give me permission, Peter, to get out of this boat, walk on water, and blow all the minds of the other disciples. That's doing it out of faith. Here's doubt. I'm not sure if you're Jesus. So I need something to be able to help my uncertainty. So if you'll call me out of this boat, it's so crazy and it's so wild that I'll step out. And if my feet don't sink, then I'll have certainty that you're Jesus. See what I mean? So he got out of the boat. But was it faith or was it doubt? Some people would say, it's faith. Those, those uh, optimistic people would go, oh, it's faith. Pessimistic might go, oh, it's doubt. I think, you ready? I think it was a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. I think he believed, but I also think he wanted help with his unbelief. Because here's why I think that. Because Peter was sure enough to get out of the boat, but unsure enough to sink. Think about that. He was sure enough to get out of the boat, but unsure enough to sink. Y'all ever been there before? You ever been sure enough about something that you moved? but unsure enough in the middle of it that you weren't sure how to sustain it? You know what I mean? Oh, I'm certain we're supposed to get married, so I stepped out. Oh, this marriage ain't going like I thought. Now I'm sinking, right? Like we're sure enough to step out, but unsure enough to sink. Should we have kids? Yes, we should have kids. I am sure we should have kids. That kid's born, I'm not sure we should have had kids. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure we should have just stayed honeymooners our whole life. What were we thinking? You know, I, I, I want to quit my job and pursue my dream. Are you sure? I'm sure. Hey, the rent's due. I'm not sure. Like there's moments where we're sure. We are sure enough to step out. Oh, God, you'll bless me. You'll help me. You'll watch over me. But when things don't go the way we thought they should go, out goes the sure and in comes the unsure. Because if God would just do it like we want him to do it, then we would be certain why we do it. So we're certain that God wants to do it. Let's go. So we're, un we're sure enough to step out, but then we are unsure enough to sink. When following God, one moment we can have great faith, 
and then the next moment we can have great uncertainty. Anytime, please listen to me, anytime that you're choosing to follow God with your life, in one moment, you'll have great faith. And then in the next moment, you'll experience great uncertainty. I'm telling you this now so that it doesn't discourage you as you follow God. Like if you think that, okay, I'm going to believe in Jesus, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read my Bible, and then in every scenario moving forward, I will have complete faith and certainty in every situation. Guess what? Spoiler alert, it's not true. There's going to be moments. It's not because you're a sinner. It's not because you hate God. It's not because you're holy or unholy. It's because life is not going the way you thought it should go. And so there'll be moments where you, I'll give you some examples. Darla and I get ready to plant this church, and, and there was moments of, of certainty and moments where we were uncertain. We, we gathered a bunch of friends together in Memphis, and we said, hey, let's go plant this church. And some people said, let's do it. And all of a sudden, we had certainty. Oh, God's calling us to do it. People are selling their houses, and they're coming. And then certain people said, nah, never mind, and we went into uncertainty. Like, well, maybe this isn't right. You know, we felt like Jesus talking to the disciples, are you going to leave me too? You know, it was just one of those things, like, what's going to happen? We, we needed to raise money. And so we would have scenarios. There was this one time where this woman walked up and offered us exactly what we needed, a place to have a meeting, some food. She couldn't give money. And there were moments like that where it was exactly what we were praying for. Somebody provided. We were like, oh, thank you, God. Certainty. And then we got the phone call from our current church that said, we can't pay you anymore. Uncertainty. It's like, right? It's like, God, you're so faithful. Where are you, God? Y'all ever been there? <laughs> you are the best. What are you doing? <laughs> Something's not right. I remember we would raise money. I remember the first person that set us down and slid us a $10,000 check for our church. And the next day we found out our water heater was broken. And we didn't have any money to fix it. High highs. Low lows. I'm certain, but I'm uncertain. I'm certain that I'm saved, watch this, but I doubt because sometimes I act unsaved. I'm certain that he's with me, but I'm uncertain because sometimes things don't go the way I thought they were going to go. I'm certain that he's in control, but I'm uncertain when I see a storm. I'm sure, but I'm unsure. I'm sure, but I'm unsure. And what really chaps my hide, y'all like that? <laughs> y'all like that? You young folks are like, he, what's a hide? I don't know. Has he got chaps on? I'm not sure what this kind of church this is. What really makes me mad, okay, <laughs> is that, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a religious mindset that if I wasn't sure, then I must not be right with God. And so I kept trying to pursue certainty. But it's something I can't catch. Because the Bible says that it's by faith that I'm saved. And here's the message I got for you today. You ready? There's a difference between having unbelief and being an unbeliever. Those are different. Just because you have unbelief does not mean you're not a does not believe does not mean you are an unbeliever. It means you can be a child of God and have doubt. It means you can be washed in the blood and not 100% sure. That's what it means. There's a difference in you having unbelief in something happening in your life that causes you to question what God's doing. And better yet, I don't know about you, I don't really question God, I question me. 
That's where the question, well, did I hear God right? Maybe I went right when God was telling me to go left and I don't understand his penmanship. Like, you know, what, what happened? And we start to doubt ourselves and then we allow the enemy to tell us lies and that unbelief makes us believe, well, I guess I'm just not a believer. And if I have to be certain to be a believer, it's frustrating, so I'd rather just walk away from believing altogether. While the whole time God's saying, watch my disciples. There were moments where they had unbelief, but they were never not believers. And here's why that happens. Because the God in us, the Holy Spirit in you, as you give your life to Jesus, the God in you connects with faith and you have certainty. But the flesh in you connects to fear and brings uncertainty. See what I mean? You're saved and the Holy Spirit's inside of you is what Scripture says. And the Holy Spirit in you connects to faith and all of a sudden gives you this certainty that you're not really sure where it came from. And it's faith. There's something in you that just believes it can happen. I can tithe and somehow God's going to do this. I can go to church and somehow God's going to help me. There's this faith in you because it's connected to the Holy Spirit. But there's also flesh in you. And the flesh in you is connected to fear. And that fear moves you towards uncertainty. So every day, there's like this pool. Peter talks about it. Is it Peter? No, Paul. Paul talks about it as two dogs that are fighting. And whichever dog you feed the most wins. And if you're not careful, if we allow that doubt to build up, that doubt overcomes that faith in us. And we start to walk away or stop instead of moving forward knowing I will never be certain, but I can move. I can keep going forward. I just want you to understand that sometimes stuff happens in life that shakes our confidence. But when we own our doubts, in the process of owning our doubts, we don't disqualify our faith. The moment you sit back and go, yep, I kind of doubt that situation. It doesn't disqualify you. Matter of fact, I believe it actually moves your faith and makes it stronger. And here's why I believe that. Because if you will own your doubt, you will then be hungry to try and pursue and figure it out. So now you're reading the Bible more, and now you're praying more, and now you're asking questions at small group, and your faith is being built. And so by owning our doubts, not only is it not disqualifying our faith, but it's actually pushing us in a direction to make us stronger. Because there's always going to be moments. Look, you may not be, some of you in this room right now, you literally could tell me, here's the thing I'm experiencing that's causing me to doubt God. Somebody's sick and I don't understand it. Somebody passed away and I don't understand it. They did me wrong and I don't understand it. I got done wrong. I don't, you know, all these different reasons that are causing you to doubt God. If that's not you, then there's probably something coming up down the road that if you're not prepared for it, Mike Tyson says everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? So coming down the road, something's going to punch you in the mouth. And if you are not aware that you can have doubts and still believe God, you'll turn around and run because stuff happens. No matter how much certainty you have, stuff happens. Let me give you an example. I have probably outside of God, the person that I have the most confident in, in my, confidence in in my entire life is my wife. I just have incredible, I just, if she says she's going to do it, I just believe she's going to do it. If she says she can do it, I just believe she can do it. I don't ask questions. I just go, how much is it going to cost? You know what I mean? Let's, let's get ready. Let's do it. And there's just so many things in my life that I just let her run with. And so one of them, for example, 
is when it comes to planning trips. If she plans trips, I just say, hey, you just, I trust you. Whatever you're going to do, here's the budget. Now you go make it work. You figure out where we're going to stay. You figure out flight. You figure out how we're going to travel, if we're going to Uber or walk or ride a bike or, you know, whatever. If you figure out where we're going to eat, you go, you run with it. And every time she knocks it out of the park, she'll come back. She spent less than we budgeted. It was a great experience. And my faith builds stronger and stronger and stronger. But there was this one time. Third year anniversary. In our honeymoon, we went to Orlando to Universal Studios. That's what we love to do, theme park people. So on our third year anniversary, we went back. And again, she planned the whole thing. She planned the rental car. She planned the hotel. She planned everything. I just show up and go, point me in the direction, and I'm walking. Let's go. So it started off pretty good. We arrived at the rental car place, and we got one of them upgrades, right? And they gave us a PT Cruiser. Y'all remember them things? Ain't nobody driving them now. They were hot back in the day, boy. Yeah, you can keep your Lexus. I want a PT Cruiser. Pastor Troy's Cruiser. You know what I mean? Let's go. I just thought about that right now. I'm getting a PT Cruiser now. Um, so we get in the rental car, and I put the GPS on to the, to the location of where we're staying, and we start driving, and we're driving, and we're driving, and we're driving. And all of a sudden, we, we enter into a sketchy neighborhood. Now, I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, so it has to be really sketchy for me to call it sketchy. You know what I mean? Like, well, y'all, so some of y'all would consider sketchy, I call home, baby. But, but for, for this, 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 look, when you drive down the street and there's a baby in a diaper just standing on the curb, like, what up? Like, like that's, that's the moment where you're like, some, I'm not sure about this. Like, something ain't, something ain't right. You know what I mean? Like, this, this, we probably should leave. We should go. Just grab your purse, baby. Let's go. And so we're driving. And here's how you know you're sketchy. When you lean up to the steering wheel, that's how it's like, Am I seeing this right? And so we're driving. I'm like, babe, you put the right address in? I'm not sure. Like, you meant to do this? And so we keep driving. And she's like, I got a good deal. And I'm like, that doesn't help my confidence at all. Like, they're probably paying us to stay here. Like, we shouldn't do this. And so all of a sudden, the GPS says, turn right. And I look to the right, and there's an apartment complex. I'm like, Siri's lost her mind. That's clearly what's wrong. And Darla looks at it, and she goes, oh, she shows me a picture. And it is the exact picture of the apartment complex. So I'm pulling in with all the faith and confidence on my face and everything into me goes, we in trouble. <laughs> this is bad. I'm pulling into an apartment complex. We're going past the apartments. You got cars sitting on bricks and everything. And I'm like, this is, I mean, I don't even, did we get a voucher for this? Like what, are we sharing? Are we going to share a room with a couple? Is that what's happening in here? So we pull up to the like check-in. It's literally like the, the apartment office is the hotel check-in. And Darla goes to check us in because I'm a man and I ain't getting out in this place. You know, her muscles are bigger than mine. So if they don't want to, just kidding. She wanted to, I believe in supporting women. So go do it. Go do your thing. So, so she gets out. She goes in. She checks. The whole time I'm, I'm researching, you know, anywhere else that we can go stay on my phone. I'm trying to figure out how much did we pay for this? Was it 20 bucks? And like just going through. And she comes and she gets in the car. She closes the door. And I look over and I say, are we all checked in? And she said, we're all checked in. And I said, cool. And then she hands me, are you ready for this? The remote control to the TV in our room. It's in a plastic bag. I said, baby, if they are protecting the remote control, I'm too valuable to stay here. You know what I'm saying? If they'll take a remote, baby, they'll take me. Like, I can't. 
we, we, can't, we can't do this. You go and let them know. They can keep our money. They can have the 35 cents. Like, we're going somewhere else. We're done. My faith went from, like, up here to down here. You know what I mean? You ever had a remote control moment? You know what I'm talking about? Where, God, I'm with you, and then all of a sudden, I ain't with you no more. Like, you, you just, here's the crazy thing. It was one of the best places we ever stayed at. We had our own living room and bedroom, and all, you know, all the gang members protected us, and it was, I'm just kidding, that didn't happen. It was so nice, though. To this day, it was like the best place we've ever stayed, and I'm like, you know what, baby? No matter how many remotes they take out of the room, I trust you. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's like Jesus. She always comes through. She's always on time. Might be 1159, but hallelujah, she's always on time. Like, just, it's true. It's just Sometimes it happens. Sometimes stuff happens that can make us lose our faith. I even think I've been taught before that if I've doubt, watch this, I've lost my faith. You ever been told that before? Where'd you lose your faith? Oh, man, you lost your faith. And what I'm learning is that in moments where I've doubted, my faith is not lost, it's misplaced. I can't lose faith. It's, it's, it's being misplaced. You say, wait a minute, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me explain a little bit. Remember how the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is on the water and they go, oh, it's a what? Ghost. It's a ghost. Oh, it's a ghost. Now listen, they're not fans of Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? Like, like they weren't watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, like what, how did that come to be? Why would they see Jesus on the water and all of a sudden assume he's a ghost? Here's why. You ready? In that day and age... There was a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a folk tale or a belief system that the waters were haunted. That down in the bottom of the lakes and rivers, there were demons. And so they actually, you ready? They called them river demons. Creative, right? And so when they saw Jesus, because they had all been taught this folk tale, they just assumed, ah, it's a river demon. It was so beyond their mind that it would be Jesus walking on water, but they believed that the waters were demon-possessed. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The belief is there. The, the, the action to believe outside of understanding is there. It's just being misplaced. They had to believe beyond their understanding that water could be demon-possessed. So much that a spirit would be on the water to stop them. They had to have faith to believe that. Sometimes we, look, let me rephrase that. We always have faith, but sometimes we misplace it. We're always believing beyond our understanding. We're just misplacing it. When Darla and I first got married, I brought all kinds of insecurities into our marriage and she would do something, and man, my mind would just go off. Like one time, she was running, I think it was like to Bargain Hunt, which was down the street from our house, and like three hours had gone by, and I had made up a whole story. She had a whole other family living in Laverne, and she was visiting them. <laughs> it was crazy. By the time she came home, I had bags packed. I'm like, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. And she's like, I was at Target, you know? And like you just learn, like it's amazing how our minds can just shoot to stuff because faith is not the problem. Our problem is not being able to imagine something beyond our understanding. 
Our problem is not being able to step outside of our thinking capacity. Our problem is we take that ability and we misplace it. We put it on the worst instead of the best. We put it on ourselves. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. Sometimes we have more faith in ourselves than we do in God. And what I want you to understand is that fear is often misplaced faith. The reason that we're afraid is because we're using the muscles of faith, but we're misusing them. Instead of putting them towards God, we're putting them towards worldly things. And so we're out here believing crazy stuff. Oh, I know it's the third time, but I can change him. That's faith, right? That's faith, but we're misplacing it. Last week, I talked about what if. Do you remember that? I started talking about not being able to give control to God because of the what if. This week, I was going back over that in my mind, and I came to this conclusion. What if works both ways? What if works both ways? For example, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? What if he does? What if God doesn't heal me? What if he does? What if I tithe and can't pay the rent? What if I can? See what I mean? It's whatever direction you choose. They're both faith. It's just where you're placing it. You can put faith in this direction. What if? Or you can put faith in this direction. What if? The question is not do you have faith? The question is where are you placing that faith? Do you place it on God? Or do you place it on the world? This is why we get in between this sure and not sure concept. Because what's in us wants to put faith in God. But what's the flesh in us wants to put faith away from God. So there's this tension and this pulling of what if? Well, what if? What if? What if? And it's the what if that moves us into a place of being sure and at the same time unsure. And the answers to our doubts are not in what we are believing for, but who we are believing in. So I'm studying Matthew 14. And I'm going through, whenever I read these scriptures, I'll often try to picture myself in the story. And I'm going, all right, they're on this boat. And notice Peter said, if it's you, right? said to Jesus, if it's you. So here's what Peter's trying to do. Peter is trying to achieve certainty because he's in the boat and he's wrestling with what if. Well, what if we die? What if we don't? What if the storm destroys our ship? What if we survive? He's doing all, and so now he needs certainty. And, and Jesus speaks and he needs this moment of certainty. And he says, if it's you, then ask me to come onto the water. Now, here's where I got really curious in all of this. Why didn't Peter say, if it's you, stop the storm? You ever thought about that? I don't know about you, but if I've got two choices for Jesus to prove himself, and one is for him to stop the storm, which means I can sit in the safety of this boat, or the other one is for me to walk on water with the risk of me drowning, I'm going to go with the first one. So why didn't he just say, Jesus, if it's you, stop the storm. Did you know he did it before? There were other times where Jesus spoke to the storm 
And it said the storm stopped, and it said people said, who is this guy with this kind of authority? He must be. Oh, this is amazing. There were times where he proved who he was by stopping a storm. So why not? Why not have this moment where he just says, Jesus, if it's you, stop the storm. And all of a sudden, this crazy storm stops. And everybody goes, oh, it's Jesus. Wow. And then I had this thought. Maybe because if the storm stops, it's not complete certainty. Because storms stop all the time, right? Like if you're from Florida, you know what that's like. One moment it's raining and the next minute it's not. Like, like the storm could have stopped. And somebody could have said, was it Jesus, though? Like, are we sure it was Jesus? And so Peter says, in order for me to be completely certain, don't stop the storm. Don't stop the wind. Watch this. Give me a word. Give me a word to come out onto the water. And then when that happens, I will have complete certainty that you are Jesus. Pretty cool, huh? So then I had another question. Now, if I'm Jesus and one of my children are about to step out of a boat and try to walk on water for the very first time in their entire life, and there's going to be a great moment of faith here, of teaching between Jesus and Peter, and if I'm Jesus, the least I can do, you ready, is stop the storm. Right? Do we really need both? Like, if we were walking on concrete, then let the storm come because then we need... But if I'm walking on water, I don't really need any more difficulty. You know what I mean? Maybe you're good at walking on water. I don't know, but I'm not. And so if I'm going to get out on walking on water, the least favor Jesus can do me is, hey, bro, could you stop the whole hurricane type vibe? Like, this is already enough for me to try to concentrate on. I don't need that too. So then I'm like, why didn't Jesus stop the storm? And all of a sudden, I started to realize, remember how I told you, I'm sure and I'm unsure. I'm both. And I felt, okay, so there's wind and there's his word. There's both. Why? Why would Jesus keep both? Why do you and I need both wind and the word? Why do you need the word of God that tells you that God is present and in your life and need trials and tribulations of life? Why do you need both? When I got saved, why couldn't Jesus just say, all right, we're going to wipe all of these troubles and you're going to enjoy a Christian life? Did you ever think that was going to happen? Like I got saved and now everything's going to be great. Why, God, why do I have to have wind and the word? Why can't I just have the word? Because following you when things are good is hard enough. Because I have to die to myself. But to follow you when people that I love are getting sick, dying, or I'm losing my job and my heart's being broken, I got to follow your word with the wind? Why do I need both? And as I'm praying through it, I felt the Lord tell me, here's why. Because when you have wind and the word, you won't put faith in your feet. You'll put faith in his hand. If there's no storm and I start walking, there's a tendency to start thinking, I'm pretty good at this, right? And I can start to put certainty in my feet instead of putting certainty in his hand. 
And so when the wind is happening simultaneously, I have to keep my eyes on Jesus. I have to know that even if I think I'm doing good, at any point, lightning can strike. At any point, wind can hit. And when I think I'm doing good, I can get off. But if I keep my eyes on Jesus, if there's wind and a word, then I know no matter what, I'm focused on his hand. And my certainty is not in my feet. My certainty is in his hand. That's the word. Do you see scripture said immediately? What did it say? Immediately. What did it say? Immediately he was there. Immediately. Immediately. Here's what I have to imagine. Peter didn't get too far. So in order for Jesus to be there immediately, it means while he was walking to Jesus, you ready? Jesus was walking to him. Did you catch it? He was coming. So even when Peter started to sink, immediately he was there. Why, oh, come on, God. While, while, while you are doubting, God is drawing near to you. Do you see it? Oh, Troy, I'm not a believer because I have doubt. Oh, yes, you are, baby. And he's getting closer and closer. Every time that you question him, he gets closer. As long as you question him. God, I don't understand this. He gets closer. There's a story real quick. I got to hurry. There's a story in Mark chapter 9. It's about this man whose son's demon-possessed. And the man's trying to get the, the kid healed. And he's doing all this different stuff to get him healed. And he goes to the disciples of Jesus who have now been going around and performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And he takes his son to them, and they can't heal him. So he goes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, here's the situation. My son is doing this. And I took him to your disciples, and they couldn't heal him. And he says, if you can. And then Jesus says, wait a minute. If you can? Look what he says, Mark chapter 9, verse 3. If you can, said Jesus, watch this. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And then I, my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, this set me free as a young believer. This man who made the Bible looks up to Jesus and says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief culture will tell you the two can't exist together. Religion will tell you you have to pick one. The Bible tells you you can have both. I can believe in Jesus and I can have unbelief. Listen to me. The man believed Jesus was the son of God. He believed that Jesus could heal his son. He just wasn't sure if he would. So he believed in Jesus but he also had unbelief. So I'm going over this. I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me. You know what question I always struggle with as a young believer? Older believers would tell me, you need to walk in faith. And I would go, thank you for nothing. <laughs> what does that even mean? Please, if you know, by all means, when service is over, pull me aside. I'll let you preach next Sunday. Because I want to know, what does that mean? Walk in faith. Oh, walk in faith. I've walked in Jordans. I've never walked in faith. You're going to have to tell me, I don't know what that means, right? What does it mean to walk in faith? What does that mean? And I'm reading Mark 9, and I'm prepping this sermon, and I'm going, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. And as I'm studying, watch this, I'm walking around, I'm going, I believe, Help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my... And then I felt the Spirit of God go, 
I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. You see what I mean? I, I felt the God, I felt the Lord tell me, you're walking in faith. You believe, but you need help with your unbelief. You believe, but you need help with your unbelief. Listen to me, church. You believe in God. Yes. But you need help with your unbelief. Yes. I need both. Is, is it yes or It's both. I need both. I believe in the saving power and grace of Jesus Christ. But I got unbelief because I'm a human. And so I believe in you, God. But I had help with my unbelief. I believe in you, but I need help with so then I'm walking. I'm sorry, I'm just throwing up on y'all today. I'm walking in this, and all of a sudden I was like, why did Peter sink? Because he looked out the wind, Troy. You didn't read that scripture when you read? I think he stopped walking. I think when he stopped, he started to sink. Which tells me that if I just keep walking, if I just keep going, so I have to have complete certainty? No. You just have to be saying, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I believe, help me with my unbelief. Do me a favor, everybody stand up in this place for a second. Band, go, go ahead and head this way. Prayer team, go ahead and come down. I'm gonna tell you this story real quick. Darla and I had some friends that took us out on jet skis a couple summers ago. And the husband and wife were on one, and Darla and I were on the other, and had a great time and got ready to come in. And the husband and wife who owned them, they went ahead and went in first to get the truck and back it into the water so they could load it up. And I'm the one driving, and Darla's in the back with me. And uh, he says, just, just drive it around until we get set up. Now, as I, here's my situation with anything, especially jet skis. I'm confident in what I'm doing, and I'm not confident in what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm certain that I know how to drive this thing, but I'm uncertain that I won't die. Like, that's just kind of where I'm at. And so I'm driving around in circles, just kind of passing time, not realizing that I'm creating a wake in the water. And at some point, I'm watching him, and all of a sudden, I become uncertain. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to keep driving. So I just stop the jet ski. And the first thing my wife does is hits me and goes, don't stop. And I'm like, ah! And at that point, I just freeze. I didn't know. I was uncertain. All my surety went gone, right? I'm just, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, here came that wake. Boom! And it hit the side of us. And that thing started to tip. And the first thing I thought is, save my wife's life. And so I jumped off the jet ski because I'm a man of God. And I landed in the water. Didn't realize that it didn't matter. Here she came right on top of me. And we're both in the water. And the couple that's with us, they're on the, on the land looking back. All they see is an empty jet ski going. They don't know what happened. We got out, we told him the whole story. I said, I just shouldn't have stopped. The problem was, I stopped. I feel like there's a word on my heart for you to start this series. Because we're going to go through so many things. Yes, this, but this. Yes, this, but this. Yes, I got a past, but God's got a future. Yes, I'm a sinner, but I'm righteous in Christ. Yes, I can't do this, but yes, I can. Yes, this isn't good timing. This is the best timing. We're going to go back and I'm a dead, I'm dead, but I'm alive. We're going to go back and forth. But for you to be able to really grasp this, here's the first thing. Don't stop. Don't stop. Well, I'm not really sure. It doesn't matter. Don't stop. Don't stop. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. 
God, I believe you're the Son of God. God, help me with my unbelief. This has to become a, a, a constant walking pattern for us. It's my prayer for you that every day you wake up and you don't need to be certain. You just need to keep walking. You just need to keep moving forward. God, I believe in you, but I got unbelief. And, and I, I need your help with this. I'm not going to quit moving, but I need your help in the process. Amen? I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, I want to encourage a couple things. The very first step you have to do with believing is believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. If you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I'm going to lead you through a quick little prayer. When that's over, there's prayer team members down here. We'd encourage you to come down and just say, hey, you know, I accepted Christ as my Savior today. I really like to talk through that. I want to know what it looks like to walk this thing out. Second, we really want to just create an opportunity for prayer in general. So if there's any area of your life that you need prayer in, we want to agree with you today. The Bible says we're two or more are gathered, so he's there. So as you come down today and we pray with you, the Spirit of God is in this place. And then as we leave out today, we start to walk, and I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we're not going to pretend like doubt is not there, but we're going to go after that doubt and asking you to give us faith and give us strength. I pray for any person in this room that's never given their life to you. They've never accepted your, your, your paying for our sins, Father. If you're in this place and you never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, here's what you do. Just say, you simply start off by going, Father, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Just tell him right now, there's nothing I could do to pay for my sins. I recognize that. There's no action. I can't be good enough. I can't follow enough rules. I need the grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus died for my sins so that I could be made righteous in him, that I could be reconciled to God through Jesus. And Father, I want that reconciliation. Just right now, say, I want that reconciliation. I want to be reconciled to you, God. I acknowledge the price that Jesus paid for my sins so that I could be reconciled to you. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Come on, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to say amen. And when I say amen, I want to invite you to come down and have an opportunity to talk more about it. Father, for any person in this room that needs prayer today, I pray we'd have that opportunity that they would understand that you're walking with them, that you're together with them. For the person in this room who's having a difficulty following you because they need certainty, I pray right now that you encourage them that they'll never have certainty. But if they'll look to your hand, if they'll pursue you, then they'll continue to have their faith strengthened as they follow their life with you. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you that you're still saving and still working in our lives. Thank you that we can come to you at any point with any need. 
So, Father, we give you this day. We give you this service. Do what only you can do right now. We just pray as we finish worshiping and praying that your Holy Spirit would just begin to move in our hearts. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.